The Blue Gold Report. Irish reporters Todd Burlidge and Mason Plummer get ready for Notre Dame football game day Saturdays only on 1380 The Fan. Welcome to another edition of the Blue Gold Report, the Notre Dame podcast that we hope and think carries all the weight you need, all sports, all the time. I'm Todd Burlidge, the co-host of this show. I'm a contributing writer for Blue and Gold Illustrated. I will be joined shortly by Mason Plummer, a staff writer for Blue and Gold Illustrated. A lot to talk about this week. Notre Dame, a little sluggish, but after 20 days off, what would you expect in a 42-26 win over Florida State? The running game continues to emerge as the strength of this team. We'll preview the Louisville game, a team that is much more dangerous than its 1-3 record. Brian Kelly was asked about, is he checking the ACC standings since he's actually in a conference this year? And much, much more. Again, I'm Todd Burley. Let me welcome in Mason Plummer. Mason, what's going on, man? Yeah, thanks, Todd. Yeah, my name is Mason Plummer. I'm a staff writer, recruiting analyst over at Blue and Gold Illustrated. Loving what I'm doing over there and uh, constantly busy, man, and preparing for Louisville week. We welcome everybody that's joining us on Fox Sports in Fort Wayne, AM 1380 The Fan, and 100.9 FM. You can find us, search us anywhere on your favorite streaming outlet, Blue and Gold Report. We're going to talk about everything we previously mentioned, but as we start every show... Gold Rush. Your injury report that looks pretty good this week again for Notre Dame. A couple Irish players last weekend were left out of Florida State. Defensive tackle Myron Tagoveola and linebacker Jack Kaiser. They had to sit it out. They should be back and ready to go. Ben Skoranek, he continues to still fight that hamstring that sort of hampered him most of this season. And unfortunately, Notre Dame lost Rover linebacker, a backup, Paul Moola. He suffered a torn Achilles tendon. He will be out the rest of this season after surgery. 2021 shooting guard Blake Wesley is a top 100 prospect from the South Bend area, actually. He attends South Bend Riley, and he announced today he's set to drop his top six on October 30th. This past week, I highlighted my future cast pick for Blake Wesley. The 2021 class already has local talent J.R. Kachesny, who attends South Bend St. Joseph High School and is also a top 100 player. Finally, some good news on the COVID front. After about three weeks ago, Notre Dame had 39 players either tested positive or in quarantine. The Irish certainly have things under control at this point. As a matter of fact, the 284 tests they gave this week showed up zero positive. So as of Monday of this week, two players remained in sort of isolation and or quarantine, but they should be expected to return. Notre Dame seems good to go roster front. This past Sunday, Chase Claypool became the third Steelers player ever to win the AFC Offensive Player of the Week after his four-touchdown performance Sunday against the Eagles. When you consider the Steelers' history, that's pretty impressive stuff there. Notre Dame, because again of COVID, the women's basketball team has had to cancel its game for the 2021 season with UConn. They do have a four-year contract they're working on that should be finalized soon. Pro Football Focus College released a stat this past week. The highest-graded Power 5 non-quarterbacks in college football. A little bit specific there. Liam Eikenberg comes in number two. The Notre Dame left tackle got his eye gouged this past week and at a 93.7 out of 100, just behind Kyle Pitts, the Florida tight end, at 95.6. Gold rush. Let's jump into this Florida State recap real quick. Um, Notre Dame wins 42-26. to Didn't quite cover the 21-point spread that they were pushing. Little bit of a mixed bag, I think. The Notre Dame offense played very well, especially in the first half. I was telling a lot of friends that I thought that because of all the time off, the 20 days off in between games, that Notre Dame would be sluggish to start. 
It was 35 to 20 at halftime, so so much for that sluggish start. I think you have to jump right to the run game, and Mason and I will expand on this in a little bit more, but Kyron Williams, 19 carries, 185 yards, two touchdowns. He was joined by Chris Tyree, freshman, 11 carries, 103 yards, and one touchdown. They bounced it out a little bit with a great, a, really a career performance by grad student senior wide receiver Javon McKinley. He had five catches for 107 yards. I think it all goes back to that offensive line and in a lot of ways. This offense hit the ground running. I did not expect to see that with that downtime. I expected, if anything, the offense to be more sluggish, but they came out in a hurry and Kyron Williams, uh, right away after the fumble, he uh, got out there and had a really long run and that's what, I, that's what I like to see. There was a portion of Brian Kelly's tenure at Notre Dame where a young running back like that, if he was to fumble that he's going to he's gonna be in Brian Kelly's doghouse, not only for this game, but potentially the, the games after. And Kyron Williams right back out there on the next drive and then busted out a long carry. So that's, that was really good to see. He's a, he's a star in the making, and he's got a lot of eligibility in Notre Dame, too, Ty. That's going to be a guy we're going to be talking about for the next two or three years. In this particular game, the Irish rushed for 350 yards. I think more impressively, 8.4 yards per carry. It's only the fourth time in 20 years that Notre Dame has had that kind of per carry average. So very impressive stuff. The defense was a little sluggish, but once Brian Kelly explained it a little bit, you sort of understood that's where, that's the side of the football that the COVID cases have really attacked much more than the offense. As practice was starting and getting to starting to roll along, what happened there was players were coming back late into the week. And I think it showed they were a little bit rusty, but they did get it together. They did not allow another touchdown until late in the fourth quarter between the first quarter all the way through the second and third. And here's Brian Kelly talking a little bit about that sluggish defensive start. It's not the kind of defense that uh, Clark has, has uh, put out there, nor the kind of defense that I want to put out there. Um, there are some factors that... Um, you know, uh, were unique in that that we had a lot of those guys that were not practicing during the week, and it showed. And you've got to practice this game to be at your very best. Um, and so it showed. Um, again, um, I think there were some uncharacteristic defensive, uh, I, I would say, lapses, if you will, that uh, occurred that uh, we don't normally see. But we will address those, and our guys are aware of them, and uh, they'll be corrected uh, for this weekend. Notre Dame struggled a little bit with FSU quarterback Jordan Travis, the Seminoles' third starting quarterback in three weeks in a row. He completed 13 of 24 passes for 204 yards with a touchdown. He also added 19 carries for 96 yards on the ground with another TD. Mason, we kind of thought he might be a little bit of a pain in the butt for Notre Dame. And he was, and it does give you some concern for dual-threat quarterbacks moving forward, one in which they will face this week in Malik Cunningham in Louisville. And even looking down the road, too, and uh, Trevor Lawrence is peering over your shoulder. So Jordan Travis is a, is a hell of an athlete. That's one way to put it. I mean, he played receiver for FSU, and that was something going to the game that I highlighted on Blue and Gold Illustrated was that Florida State's always going to have the athletes. They're always going to recruit well. It's just down to their coaching and their execution and whether they're disciplined. So... That was something that I was worried about going into the game was that you know that Florida State's always going to have you know the the four and five star athletes that can beat you, but it's you know it's down to their preparation. So it, that's a guy that that could have beat Notre Dame, but they buttoned on the hatches and figured out how to stop him eventually. He did cause problems, but uh, I think it was good for them to see uh, a good 
uh, dual threat quarterback before they get to the really, really good ones coming up here soon. Notre Dame really took control of this game against Florida State in the second quarter when they outscored the Seminoles 21-3. to That's really when it all got away, and the defense started playing better. Everything started settling down. Mason, I wasn't surprised that there, were gonna, there was going to be some rust. Not too many teams play two games and then have 20 days off before their next one. And there's no season like this, and for a multitude of reasons, but you got to make do with what you can. And at the end of the day, a 20-point win over a team like FSU, regardless of if they're at the top of their game or not, I'll take it. Yeah, and I think, again, it speaks to the depth, and that's why I believe Notre Dame is well-equipped this season to handle these player shortages. And even, you know, we're sitting here dogging out the defense a little bit, but Notre Dame comes out of this game still looking pretty well statistically. They're number 16 in the nation in total defense and number 8 in the nation in scoring defense giving up only 13 points a game. I know it's a small sample, only three games in, but still something worth celebrating. Mason, I think it's worth expanding on coming off the FSU game, just what a great job Notre Dame has done in its run game so far. Tom Reese, the first year Irish offensive coordinator, you know, we thought a quarterback, he's going to want to wing it around. He promised in the preseason it was going to be a run-first offense. And so far, it absolutely has been. We're sitting on a streak right now, first time in Irish history, that four different running backs over four consecutive games have run for 100 yards. You have to go back to the Camping World Bowl when Tony Jones Jr. rushed for 135 yards. Kyron Williams opens the season against Duke with 112 yards. Sebold Flemister follows that up with 127 against South Florida. And now you get the double dip. Chris Tyree with 103 and Kyron Williams with 185. At this point, Kyron Williams is averaging 119.7 yards per game, which ranks seventh in the country. Both of these guys, Williams and Tyree, are averaging seven and a half yards per carry, Mason. Yeah, it's crazy to think about. I was just hearing those numbers that you were you were rattling off, and it almost doesn't seem real. You're thinking about these numbers compared to like last year's team where you're begging you fans are begging for a hundred yard rusher now you're right. consistently every game not only one but two guys you could have had three guys that did it so uh it's just a big change i'm really liking what i'm seeing from tom Reed's offense so far a lot of people were, were really concerned about him coming in as offensive coordinator but i think he's doing a good job so far and even uh he got ian book to throw the ball downfield a little bit it wasn't super successful but the fact that he's doing it you know uh just varies offense a little bit just to throw a few more numbers at you the entire Irish running game is averaging 6.3 yards per carry. That's fourth in the country. And it's 270.7 yards per game is fifth. And it's 11 rushing touchdowns is tied for seventh. I think this time last year, everybody was a little bit worried about Ian Book running too much. He's still doing his thing. He has four rushing touchdowns and he's averaging 26 yards a game. Mason, but I think that's about right where they want him. That's a part of his game, and you're not going to take it away. He he does that naturally, you know, regardless of whether you tell him to or not. And more often than not, it works out, you know, in our favor, in Notre Dame's favor. So that's what you want to see, scrambling for a first down. If there's not options open downfield, if there's not a check down, that's a part of Ian Book's game. That It's always been there. It always will be. Certainly a deep stable of running backs, but as this season, this early part of the season plays out, it appears that it's going to be the Williams-Tyree show. And actually, here's Brian Kelly sort of breaking down the strengths. I would say both of their uh, ability to um, pick up the tough yards. Um, they're, they're both willing to run inside the tackles. Um, 
you know, I, I think if you look at Kyron in particular, his rushing yards after first contact are pretty impressive. And so for a guy that, you know, in some circles you may say he's not very big, he plays big from that perspective. And then Chris Tyree, um, what we've been very, very impressed with is his patience and ability for example, one of his long runs on the outside zone play was cut back up underneath, you know, the, the tight end wing block. And, you know, that requires a lot of patience, confidence, and, and trust. And you usually don't get that with a young back, right? They become impatient. They want to bounce it outside. Um, so two traits here that generally don't occur until there's a lot more carries and a lot more maturity. Yeah, you certainly see it, and it's interesting to have a sophomore and a freshman Mason coming in here and making big impacts. Boy, it gives not only hope for this season for Notre Dame, but well up the line. You're talking about some real top-notch talent with Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree. That whole running back room, even Sebo Flemister and Jafar Armstrong, those are supposed to be your veterans coming into this season. Jameer Smith, too, we haven't seen much. So it's just a really deep running back room, something like we haven't seen, and hopefully – our running backs coach Lance Taylor keeps that going. He's done a hell of a job recruiting the running back position in Notre Dame so far. Between Taylor and Reese, they've obviously come to sort of this cohesiveness that is it is going to be run first. We're going to be patient with it. If it doesn't work right away, it will eventually be behind that solid and terrific offensive line. Five and number. 27. Notre Dame has 27 straight wins against unranked opponents which is too short of the program record of 29 that was set from 1990 to 1994. 60 with two more touchdown passes against Florida State. Notre Dame quarterback Ian Book now has 60 for his career. That ties him with Jimmy Clausen for third all-time on the program list and puts him just one behind his offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach Tommy Reese. Good luck catching Brady Quinn, who has 95. Okay, Mason, that takes us to our weekly recruiting segment. You were actually on the road this week. Yeah, that's right, Ty. I got to travel a little bit. I went down to Avon to watch a five-star 2021 offensive lineman, Blake Fisher, who everybody knows by this point from his social media and everything. He's an outspoken guy. But, Todd, I can't put into words how massive this dude is for being a senior in high school. Blake Fisher, 6'7", 330 pounds. Then on the other side of the ball for Zionsville, a four-star offensive lineman, 2022 commit, Joey Tenona. He's playing center for Zionsville. They had uh, they had some injuries that forced him to move to center, and Blake Fisher started it at center as well. So watching some offensive linemen isn't the most entertaining thing to do, but watching them all guys as well, there's there's something to that. That was a really good time. I got to talk to them about their future plans. Sounds like they both might be early enrolling at Notre Dame, Todd, so that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I always think it's good for linemen, be it defensive or offensive, to get into school early. You're going to need that development both from a technique standpoint and a physical standpoint. All right, let's move into this Louisville game. A lot of similarities between Louisville and Florida State, in my opinion. Some big-time play guys on offense, underachieving teams, still trying to find their footing. Louisville... 2.30 2.30 p.m. Eastern start. It'll be on NBC. Be kind of a perfect fall football day. Maybe a very small chance of showers. 59 degree high they're calling for. A little bit breezy there. Uh, Notre Dame now up to number four in the polls. Louisville is one and three so far this year. They beat Western Kentucky in the opener 35-21. But they've lost now three consecutive games here all in the ACC. Miami, Pitt, and Georgia Tech. Again, it's a talented team, but it just hasn't found its footing 
so far this season under Scott Satterfield. Satterfield made a huge splash last year when he took over this program. They had won two games in 2018. He lifted them to eight wins, eight against five losses last season, which was one of the biggest turnarounds in the country. It's led by really its offensive trio of Quarterback Malik Cunningham, dual threat guy, very talented guy, very productive running back. Javian Hawkins, he's averaging 117 yards a game, which ranks ninth, only two spots behind Kyron Williams. And talented wide receiver Tutu Atwal, who already has 25 receptions and four TDs. It looks a lot like Florida State. I think Notre Dame will be able to score the ball against Louisville. But, man, they're going to have to really button up that defense, I think, and take better care of the football. Yeah, Louisville has some really talented, skilled players. Notre Dame should be able to handle them. But like you said, um, sometimes that talent, it's a little bit scary because you make you make a couple of mistakes, especially a wide receiver like Atwell. You leave him open. You know, uh, if Sean Crawford misses a reader, over jumps a route like he did this past week, and Atwell can take one to the house instantly. Notre Dame just got to take care of the ball, play sound defense, let the offense do its thing. I'd like to see some better tackling from the defense. Kyle Hamilton was the leading tackler this past week. You don't want your free safety being your leading tackler as good as he is. You know, improved tackling. I want to see some different looks from the defense. Uh, something, some stuff that we saw in the first couple games, uh, get the defensive ends more involved, get some pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, certainly, because when you look at what Louisville did when they played last year, it was actually Notre Dame and Louisville's season opener. Notre Dame pulled away for a 35-17 win. The Irish were sluggish, especially early on, and they really struggled against the run. Hawkins, who I mentioned earlier, had 122 rushing yards. Hassan Hall had 69. And then the starting quarterback at the time, Juwan Pass, had 67 rushing yards with one TD. You really want to get a quick start. It was a little troubling with the fumbles that Notre Dame had. It's something you're not used to seeing. And those are the types of things, Mason, you know as well as I do, that can really flip a game. I I honestly think that given that Notre Dame can get in a better practice rhythm now that they have all their players back, they're not bringing in guys Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday to practice after pulling off quarantine. I think that practice rhythm should help the Irish heading into this game. I think so, too. I think that's something that's not talked about enough, getting into a real rhythm and a routine. And uh, just being comfortable, you know, that like we mentioned earlier, the two weeks on and two weeks off after being and through the offseason for so long, you got to get into a, a real good routine uh, and really get prepared for a team like Louisville. Hopefully it's a cleaner performance this Saturday. It's an earlier kickoff, Todd, which I know is great for you and I because we have to wait until kickoff and then we end up working until <laughs> right. one or two in the morning on some postgame stuff. But uh, yeah, glad to see an earlier kickoff. That way you can enjoy your weekend, huh? Yeah, exactly. 11 a.m. would work for us too. That's for sure. <laughs> but uh, keep talking about this 20 days off in between games with Wake Forest being postponed and then you had the uh, from South Florida to Florida State. But on top of that, Notre Dame had to face nine days of entire program shutdown. So when you put it all together, Together, maybe we shouldn't gripe too much about the performance against Florida State. This series is really a relatively young one. Louisville came up here in 2014 and beat Notre Dame 31-28, and then I already referenced the game last year, a 35-17 Irish win. So as we kind of look at these ACC standings, seems a little strange we have to do so this year. There are now three teams in the league that are undefeated. Clemson, obviously, 3-0. North Carolina, 3-0. And Notre Dame, 2-0. 
The Irish will play both of those. The much-anticipated matchup with number one Clemson is on November 7th. And North Carolina is actually up to number five in the country. That game will actually be played on a Friday, the Friday after Thanksgiving, November 27th. So those are the ones to look forward to. The Irish Mason, you just can't get clipped by some of these lesser opponents in between. Yeah, that's right. You can't get caught looking forward to the big games. The, you know, the Clemson game still looming. It has been for months now. But you can't get clipped by a team like Louisville or you you got past Florida State this past week. A team that you're much better than. you you got to go in there with your full focus, give it everything you got, and then continue to move on and keep that zero in the loss column. Yeah, you have to. I mean, there's no way around it. Otherwise, you're going to have to sweep Clemson both in the regular season and in the ACC championship to even stand a chance at any kind of playoff berth. Notre Dame up to number four. So if the season ended, ended today, I guess hypothetically they would be in the playoffs. Brian Kelly was actually asked... And it's a strange question to ask a Notre Dame coach as an independent program. How much do you check standings and scoreboard watch during this ACC season? I pay attention to the teams that that are, you know, on our schedule coming up. I know Clemson's good. <laughs> you know, and then the other teams that we that that we play. I mean, you know, certainly Louisville. Um, but you know, we live in such a one hour to one hour. It's it's hard to get out too far in front of of what we're doing. Uh, I know we're playing uh, uh, Pitt uh, next week on the road because we've already been talking about you know what the road looks like uh, for us in terms of procedures and protocols. But it's been such a hour to hour kind of focus uh, other than knowing that Clemson's really good I, that's about it so understandably Brian Kelly has bigger fish to fry here as they're trying to deal through COVID and work through their own problems and their own team so I understand his answer there Mason we're already almost out of time so let's get to predictions I'll let you start yeah I like Notre Dame in this one I think Notre Dame's going to be able to put up some points but I unfortunately think that Louisville might be able to put up a couple touchdowns as well I haven't got too deep into uh, into watching Louisville. I've got to watch a little bit of tape, but not enough to make my full prediction, I guess. Uh, I'll make it early. Let's see. Um, I'll say 35-14 Notre Dame. I have Notre Dame scoring a little bit. I actually have a much higher scoring game on this one. I think Louisville's athletes will be able to run up and down the field a little bit against Notre Dame, and I certainly don't think Notre Dame will find much resistance scoring against the Louisville defense with the way they're kind of piling it all right now. I mentioned second-year Louisville coach Scott Satterfield doing a great job. Well, again, he's struggling. He'll come into this game on a three-game losing streak all in the ACC. I just think that the offensive line and the experience and Notre Dame's win streak against teams like this certainly will serve them well. Mason, I'm going Notre Dame 47, Louisville 30. Anything else we need to know about before we check out? I think that's it. You can find me at Mason Plummer underscore on Twitter for all the latest Notre Dame news. Todd, be sure to throw your Twitter handle in here as well. Absolutely. You can find me at Todd Burlidge. Thanks for all you folks joining us on Fox Sports AM 1380. The Fan 100.9 FM in Fort Wayne. And again, search us anywhere on your favorite streaming outlet. Search Blue Gold Report. You'll find us. Mason, great time, man. We'll talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening to this exclusive presentation of 1380 The Fan, the Blue Gold Report. And be sure to download the latest edition of the show wherever you download podcasts or go to 1380thefan.com. Podcasts by Federated Media. 
podcast by Federated Media.